Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you for your everlasting love that is chasing after us, that is ever for us, that your arms are open wide, Lord. And as we come into your throne room, Lord, as you have prepared our hearts in our, in our worship to you, Lord, I pray that you would use what is necessary to touch the hearts of these people, those who are online and those who are hearing in this room. Your word would go forth, that there would be in this message, Lord, a touching of hearts to follow after you. And I just pray that you would just open us up, Holy Spirit, that we will be obedient to that which you have called us to. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So recently, I'm, I'm one of these guys. I like uh, looking into things about leadership, about how to uh, help people. And uh, one of the things that I ran into, and um, you can see them online, but it's uh, Harvard... Uh, has this at Harvard Business School has this process that they go through that uh, they go through case studies and what it really is is um, based on this book called Risk Reason and the Decision Making Process and it's about what do we do and how do we make decisions in the business world right but we're going to apply it to our spiritual life and it's just a, a, a what they do is go through a series of case studies, gives you some facts, and based on those facts and what you, you are able to hear and the discussions back and forth, decisions are made on what they should be doing and, you know, hey, this is the risk, this is where what we think the outcome may be. So what I would like us to do is, uh, if we can turn in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to go through some quick case studies that Jesus put forth. And in this case, he put them forth as parables. So if we turn to chapter 13 and verse starting at verse 44, so he was going through a series of parables and talking with uh, those who were listening, those who were, and, and going through questions that they had in their mind. And he comes to this section and he talks about what is the kingdom of heaven like? What is the kingdom of heaven? And we read in, in verse 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in the field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Real quick, real, you know, um, to the point of what is it that we see? And, and really the process of, of what he's going through and, and um, the mindset that he's trying to set in each and every one of us. He also goes on in, in verse 45 and basically says the same thing over again but uses a different example. And it's a very common form of um, Jewish teaching. It's the same point but I'm going to give you another type of an example so you can relate to it. In 45, he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so as we see here, what I feel he's bringing out to us is really three principles in this decision-making process that we have. 
And what we see is the first thing we need to have is truth. What is truth? In this, on these parables, we see Jesus telling, this is what the kingdom of heaven is. The truth of it is, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he goes on and he tells us, this is what's true, right? So this is the truth that they have. But the second thing we see is also, they have to have knowledge. They have to have some understanding, right? And as you see, both of them, they found this treasure, this kingdom of heaven in this analogy. One had proof he was holding it. He found the treasure. It was full of jewels, right? It was full, and he was overjoyed. The other had great knowledge. He knew pearls, and he assessed this and said, this is of great price. And so they had this knowledge. But the third thing you're going to see is, in the end, it took faith. And that faith in the end was, are you willing to pull the trigger? I'm going to sell all that I have to get what? The treasure in heaven, the truth. Because of my knowledge Because I know what the value of this treasure that I found. I know the value of this pearl that I've found. But the question is, are you willing in faith to sell all and come forth and buy the field or buy the pearl? And what we really see is, even though there's convincing evidence, even though we could see it, we can hold it, we value it, we know it mentally, we can even read it in the Bible at times. It comes down to making a choice, a decision, faith that what you see and what you know is really true. And I can trust it. So the thesis of these parables is Jesus is saying that when you understand who he is, and how life really works, and what really, really matters, now and forever. You get to treasure what it is to have a relationship with him, the treasure, and plans that he has for you on earth, and you with reckless abandon, just like our song. Reckless abandon, and for the purpose of joy, will sell all and go after it and do it. So to put it another way, his thesis is telling us total commitment is the channel through which God's biggest and best will flow. Giving all that you have, giving all that it requires. And, and it, we need to realize that that it, this total commitment, this surrendering, is what Jesus is asking. Do you understand that from this story, from this parable? We've given it to you. And they sold all for what motive? For the joy. Right? And, and this surrendering to have this treasure. So surrender really is this ceasing to resist and to submit 
in this case, to Jesus' authority or God. Right? Which is very counterintuitive to the way we live, to the what we've been brought up, right? Jesus is, is this amazing teacher calling people to a life, and it and it says that the values of this world are upside down. The values that I have for you are very different from what this world says, right? And it tells us the way to gain is to give. The way to life is to die, right? We saw that we see that in Galatians 2:20. He says, "I have a plan, and in following me, there is a treasure that is unspeakable. It's unspeakable for now. It transforms you. It will transform every relationship. It has a promise of eternity. It has a forgiveness of your sins. It has focus and purpose and answers to all the big questions of life. And this treasure, I want to give you, each and every one of us, who know Christ as their Savior. But there's an entrance to this decision. And that's surrender. That's a total commitment to him. And that's the focus that we see of these parables. And that's Jesus' message through these parables to them and to us today. That that's what he wants. And I do go through this talking about this decision-making process of having truth, having knowledge, and having the faith to pull the trigger, to do it, to actually follow after him. Because it reminds me, as I was going through my testimony for Good Friday, hey, that's a lot like what happens in our lives, right? We make a decision for Christ. We come and we, we examine the information. We check the facts. But it's all facts until we take a step. And for me, that was the challenge of Greg Laurie saying, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Do you know that? Is that a fact for you? And I chose to follow after Christ. And one of the awesome things that God gave to me, and it was funny because I just had, um, I think my wife gave this to me when I first came to the Lord. Oh, here's these Bible verses. You know, this accordion thing, and you just kind of memorize them. And the first one that I remember, that I memorized, was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And it's amazing how that particular verse has flowed through my life as a Christian over these past 30-something years. I can tell you, I mean, I might not necessarily have said it each and every time, but I can see it. I can see the truth of what that proverb is telling me. When I came to the Lord, when I lost my job and we had our first child on our way, we bought a house and it's like, wow, this is going to be real fun. But I was pretty naive as a Christian. I just thought, okay, God will work this out. Right? Sometimes that that ignorance is, right? Ignorance is bliss sometimes. But even 
coming here, taking steps to come here. Hey, God, I have no job. I don't have a place to stay. But he tells me in Matthew 8, right? Hey, the centurion, I say go, you go. That's the attitude he was looking for. You know, birds of the air have nests. I will supply. I will take care of. And I just see Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. I can't figure it out. In all your ways, just acknowledge, understand that God's going to do this. And he will direct our paths. And it's funny because it led me to this study that we are doing now. In this study, I, I titled it, A Verse and a Venture. Because it was this verse, and I've been on this venture of God and what he has for me and what we are doing. And it really um, brought to this time, right, as I have said, this process of making decisions that God wants the most for us. He wants us to have. He wants us to come. And it was Interesting that when I was praying about my testimony and this verse, the Proverbs came up, also what I had been studying was Romans 12. And that's where we're going to land and we're going to spend most of our time in going through Romans 12 because I believe it defines Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it's kind of, it's always exciting for me when you can see God taking his word and defining his word or, or giving you more information about his word that it becomes real to you. So we're going to spend our time in Romans 12 in verses 1 and 2. And we're going to go through, you know, in my, my walk through, oftentimes, <laughs> I can tell you, even recent times, I can ask, God, what is it that you want from me? What is it that you want? What is it that, you know, you get in situations and you're like, I don't like this. God, what do you want? What are you doing? I want out. That's what I want. Right? But what do you want? And I think that is the mindset I'm trying to get us into, is what does God want? And that's what we're going to see. We're going to go through what does God want from us most, or giving God what he wants most. We're going to see a second question, which I believe that leads you to, is how do I get the very best from God? If this is what you want, then how can I get? What, what do I get? Because we all think we give, so we get. And it leads us to that question. And at the final section, we're going to see the purpose of what he is doing. And so we go to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And it reads, and I'm reading from the New King James. I beseech you. In some versions, it say, I appeal, or I urge, or I plead with you. So this is Paul really wanting you guys. And understand, this is not us reading for the Romans, you know, hey, this is the Roman time. This is Paul talking to us. This is God talking to us. I'm pleading with you. 
There, I, plead, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what we're going to do is take just the first verse. And for me, it relates to Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it defines for us, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. And we're going to go through the risk, reason, and the decision-making process by seeing what's the truth, what's the knowledge, and do we have the faith? So it tells us, right, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So what is he talking about? He is talking about 11 chapters of all that God has done. Romans, first 11 chapters, just talks about chapters 1 through 3. It tells us this is the state we were in. We were in sin, right? That was our problem. That's what separated us from God. In chapters 4 and 5, it talks about the salvation. Here's the solution. God's solution is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then we see in chapters 6 through 8, his sanctification or this process, right, of this is how we now should be living because of what he has done. The power that he gives us, this growing, that, and, and remember, it's a process. It's progress, two steps forward, one step back. It's not boom, I'm like Christ. It's we're becoming that's the sanctification process. And then Romans 9 through 11, it's a sacrifice that we live in confidence because of what God has done, that he's in control and he's going to keep all his promises. I mean, we've, if you've been with us in this church, we've gone through many of the prophecies, the promises of God that have come true, the truth that he is putting before us. And so after chapter 11, regardless of where you are in your walk, God loves you, he died for you, and he put his spirit, and I think that's very important, you guys understand, get this, he put his spirit inside of you, and he'll keep his promises. That's the truth, and that's the knowledge. So we see that, and this is not explaining how do we get saved. This is for people who are already saved. This is people like you and I who have been saved and asking us, what are we doing with that which we've been given? Because we see, right, salvation took place back in chapters 3, 4, 5-ish. In there, it talks about salvation. There, this verse is really telling us how do normal Christians follow Jesus out of gratitude? Just stop and think for a little bit. God says, This is what I want. I want you on a certain day, on a certain time, to say to me, 
I'm all in. I'm going to take that step. I have the faith. I'm going to pull the trigger. And for me, I see it in my, in my um, journey, my venture of just most recently, my wife and her medical situation. When you're walking in an ICU and they tell you she doesn't have much time to live, bring your kids. You sit there and you contemplate. What do I really believe in God? Because this situation is not what I signed up for. This is not what I want. But I had to go back. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. What did God do for me? What has God promised for me? What does he want faith, to believe, to present, right, myself, my body. That's what he tells us. Present your bodies. Present your bodies, right? When he says your bodies, it's not just, he wants all of you when he talks about bodies. I mean, it's, yeah, it's part of your physical body, but your mental, your heart, what is it that we believe? What is it that we put into our body? He wants all of that. Because just like those guys that, hey, the pearl of great price, the guy going after children, he sold all to get what the treasure was. So he tells us, right? And as we see the verse and we look at it, there is a command, right? It tells us, present your body. This is a command from God. Present it is in the, in the tense that, It's telling us on a certain day and a certain time, do this. There's a motivation behind it by the mercies of God. All that God we know of him, all that he says he he does for us or has done or has for us. And then there's a reason. Because it's a reasonable. This is how we should be responding as Christians. This is how we, as those who know, And have this relationship to have this Holy Spirit dwelling within us who believe uh, last couple Sundays ago on Easter that Jesus died on the cross for the purpose of covering my sins, was buried, and rose again to conquer sin, death, and Satan. Do we believe that? And then what do we do with it? That's the reason, right? The average Christian somehow thinks that I received Jesus. He's my Savior. It's really real. I read the Bible some. I pray some. I'm really trying hard, trying hard to be a good Christian. But it's not going that well. The power of the Christian life comes from the moment of an offering where... And just like in the parables, right, we make a total commitment. And that's the channel that we will see God's best and biggest flow into our lives. And I'm not saying, hey, every day we're doing this and it would be great if we could. But, right, we come to situations in our lives where we got to make that choice. Do we believe this or not? The hardness of your work, I mean depending on where you work. 
why did God put me in this? And what do I need to do to please him? Instead of get me out of here. This is his fault. This is, you know, right? We, it's God's fault in the end of everything. Because God made everything. He put me in this situation. But he is asking to submit to him, to believe in all that he has given, to start changing the way we think. But it takes faith, right? It, it requires this decision-making process, the truth, the knowledge, the faith. It requires believing in, the, in, in that invisible treasure, right? That hidden treasure. The future of heaven. I got a mansion for you. Do we even believe it? We've been going through Revelation. We know what's coming. Do we believe it? Do we have the faith? So this is how we, how we are to get the most from God, right? How we could um, give him what, we, what he really wants. It's this surrendering. It's this total commitment to him. And as we move on to the second thing, we see in, um, again, going back to Romans 12, 2. We're going to go on to the next verse is the question, how do I get the very best from God? Okay, I'm giving you. I'm totally committed. How now do I then receive from you, God? And it goes on and it tells us, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we're going to get a little technical on how we're going to break this down. So the structure of this passage is, it's a negative command, right? Do not be conformed. Which literally is saying, don't allow the world to conform or mold us. And then there's this positive command. But be transformed. And and I will tell you, as you guys study the Bible, you ever see but? Look for something there. But God. But be transformed. That's just my little thing. <laughs> okay? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's look at this a little bit deeper, a little bit more technical. So the negative command, do not be conformed to this world. The main verb in that sentence, right, is, or that statement is, do not be conformed. And in grammatically, it's called what what it's called is the passive voice. And in the Greek, that means the subject or us as the believers are being acted upon, right? Then it goes through an imperative, which simply means there's a command in it. And then it talks about the present tense, right, of the subject is being acted upon. It's happening continually so kind of translating this and filling it out a bit what what you see paul saying is stop allowing yourselves to be molded by the influence and pressures of this world system what is the world system the world values and he's not talking right geographic he's not talking about the world He's talking about the system of values, this mindset that has been ingrained in this, a worldview that is energized. And remember this, and listen to this. 
a worldview that is energized by the enemy of your soul, whose goal is to kill and to steal and to destroy. Think about that. We see that in John 10.10. He's there to mess up our lives, right? To ruin our relationship, to separate us from God. And to take you emotion, to make you emotionally depressed, to cause you f- to go into physical areas that will ruin your life. I mean, the whole goal of this system is not about us. It's about what Satan wants to do to us because we are followers of God. So the Apostle Paul tells us, right, stop allowing this system, this set of values, which is antithetical to what everything God wants to do. He wants for your life. Stop allowing this to just squeeze you, to mold you, to shape you. And so grammatically, he goes on and he tells us this. This is currently happening, right, in the Roman world in the church of Rome. And it's also happening here today in this church. So the application we see here is that we are to separate from this world value, this system. And if we want to understand how to give God what he wants the most, which is our surrendering to God, But when we want to understand how do we get God's best, we need to separate ourselves from this world system, these set of values of the world. And it's always nice and fun, again, when the Bible defines these ideas for us. And what is the world system? Well, if we go over to 1 John 2.15, it tells us what the world system is. In John 2.15, it tells us, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. It defines for us what it is, right? What is this world system? And we just see, and I want you to catch this, right? In verse 15, it tells, do not love. And then it goes on and says, if anybody loves the world, the love of the Father. It's not talking about do's and don'ts and this and that. It's talking about your relationship to these things, to these values, to these ideas. Your relationship to God. That's what it's talking about. Where are our affections? What drives us? What brings satisfaction in our lives? And it tells us the desires of the flesh, right? These three components. The desires of the flesh, which is merely the passions, the passion to feel, 
We want to feel. We want to feel good. We want to feel excitement. Right? It's just that the um, sense of pleasure that we want to bring to ourselves. The desire of the eyes. That's that passion to have, to possess. I need. You know, and that's what the world system is telling us. Why do you think the advertisement is billions of dollars in budget? And then finally, he tells us the pride of life, this passion to be, to hold a position, to be known as. Guilty. I mean, I think we can all kind of think and say how are these pressures are, are really seducing our lives, right? So this world system, in summary, tell, it's this, this world system seeks to seduce us from our love for Christ by pleasure, possessions, and position. It's seducing us. And we really need to understand there, that there is a system that comes in almost everything that we see today. You're on your cell phone. You get advertisement. You get Twitter. You get TikTok. It's all about, look at me. Become like this. I want to look like that. Here's an advertisement since you went and looked at, hey, a new diet program. Here's 50 other diet programs so you can look like this, that you can be something else because you're not. And I can tell you, it doesn't matter whether this has happened, you know, you're in South Africa, Korea, Japan, California, and here in Maui. The great majority of Christians are not experiencing God's best. And they're not experiencing God's best because their heart has been seduced, has been pulled away from the Savior, Jesus Christ. And we brought these lies and these things that said will fulfill, and they're not. And they don't. And they always lead us to wanting more. And God brought you, maybe he brought you, into this room today to hear this message. Because he wants you. Not some of you. At a particular time. To decide. Risk. Reason. And the decision-making process. Are you willing to give God what he wants the most? To receive what he wants to give you. So the negative command is stop allowing yourself to be molded by the world. So he's telling you, be aware of that, right? Here's the warning. But that's not enough, right? Paul goes on to say, but, love that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we go from the negative to the positive command. Be transformed. And really, this idea of this transformation is the word. And if you guys remember in biology, maybe I think it was seventh or ninth grade, metamorphosis. Remember the caterpillar? that turned into the butterfly. Hey, we used to have this, uh, I digress, I'm getting there, uh, um, 
crown flower tree. And man, these things came, caterpillars all over. And you got to see the whole process hanging there, crystallis, butterfly. But it's this transformation, right? And it's a transformation not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Be transformed. Right? And what we really see God saying is, do not allow the world, the externals, right, to squeeze us into their values, into their belief system, into their lies that lead to death. But to allow yourself to be transformed, metamorphosed in your mind, to be changed from the inside out. And again, notice the grammar of it. It's again the passive voice. So in other words, God has to do it. It's not you. You cannot change yourself. But it's also a command that says, so God says there's a part you have that you have to cooperate in. But in it, the change comes from me working in your life, doing in your life. And notice, again, it's in the present tense. It is happening now. It wants to happen now. Not if I do this in this future thing. The Holy Spirit dwells within us now. Not if I do this thing. If you're a believer in Christ, if I have the Holy Spirit in it, I want to do something in it. So if we see this, we see that it translates, in my words, but allow God to completely change your inward thinking. And, and I think that's very key. Your thinking and outward behavior. How? By cooperating wholeheartedly, moment by moment, with the Spirit's renewing process. Do you guys ever think about the Spirit and what He wants to be doing in your life? That he dwells within you? That you have God within you? Think about that sometime. A lot of times, guys, we need to stop and just think. And consider. It's a supernatural. It's not of our effort, right? It's not something we can do. He's mold. It's not like, you know, you hear, oh, look at Jesus. Become more like Jesus. It's allow the Holy Spirit within you to bring Jesus out in your life and how that looks because Jesus in me may come out different based on my gifts, my talents, my background versus anybody else. But I fill a role in the body that only I can fill, that only you can fill. And you need to understand that. The Spirit of God is taking the Word of God and renewing our mind in the context of us as a group, as a community, in these life relationships that we have, where the, our, you know, we see the personality of Jesus and His characteristics. When we're loving and kind and peaceful and gentle and generous and other-centered, when we have self-discipline, 
when we display the fruit of the Spirit, which is actually Jesus Christ coming out through us, through the Spirit. And it's a progression, right? Naive Stephen. Oh, yeah, I lost my job. Yeah, God would take care of me. I guess sometimes knowledge and age. Hey, let's move to Maui. Doesn't sound too. What do you, I mean, you should have seen how many people at work were like, what are you doing? All right, the CIO of my company called me in and said, what are you doing? Okay. So it takes time, it takes effort, it takes work. It's a progression, it's sanctification. It's not snap your fingers and I'm this. It's work. So when we come to the world and we see the world, the Netflix, the computers, the the iPhones, everything, the influences, unless we have this outlook of changing our mind, unless we can do this, unless we can, you know, get all this stuff that, that it's telling us and conform and be and do and measure up. Really, it's this battle that is for our lives. I mean, when we're cruising and we feel nothing, I think the devil is like, I got you. You guys are on the bench. You add no value to this game. Either for me or against me. And since I know I'm going to lose, that's as good as anything. So it's this internal, supernatural power that transforms us from the inside out. And it really maybe reminded me of Matthew 4.4 when Jesus was being tempted. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right? This is nothing new, these battles. It happened in Adam and Eve. We see it in Jesus Christ. But what was the difference? These guys lost, right? They failed. Jesus won. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You can't experience God's best without having this truth as part of your experience on a regular basis. You just don't have the power. I don't have the power. That's why I'm a sinner. The only way I'm saved is by the power of Jesus Christ and what he has done. We got to take this raw material of God's written word and get it into our minds and share it with others because just taking it in doesn't reproduce. It is sharing it. It is challenging it. It is being the iron sharpening iron. And it's really taking that. It's the fact that we see Paul telling us it's a process, right? In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and our being, our being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. It's by the Spirit of God. From glory to glory. It's a work. 
So the application of all this, offer it to you as a question. Are you being shaped more by the word, I mean by the world, sorry, I'm going to go in the same form. Are you being shaped more by the world than by the word? You might write that down. You might ask yourself that question later today. Risk, reason, decision-making process. What's truth? What's knowledge? What's faith? So really the key, stop allowing the, war, I mean the world to conform you and start being transformed. So it goes on and it tells us, how do I be transformed? How does this work? By the renewing of my mind. That is the key component. And what I, I just have three key components of mind renewal. Right? The first component of mind renewal is to renew your mind continually in this idea that's here in Romans 12 too. Stop the world and its influence. Start filling your mind with the word, with Christ, with what he wants you to be doing. The second thing we see is in mind renewal, it, this is a battle, guys. The spiritual life is a battle, and it's a battle for your soul. And it happens, majority, most of it, right here, right between those ears, in your mind. Right? 2 Corinthians 10 tells us, The weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful for the pulling down of strongholds, and every lofty thing raises up against the law. Against the knowledge of God. The weapons of our warfare, it's a battle. It's a war. And he's talking about the word of God in community, fasting prayer. That's what's going to make us. That is what's going to renew us. That is how we win the battle. And the third thing we see of mind renewal is it's a work of the Spirit. If you have no clue that the Spirit is even within you, that He dwells in you, it's hard to say this is the work of the Spirit because you're always going to be working. You're always going to be trying. How do I do this? The Spirit of God has to take the Word of God and do something in you, right? All these things are about our heart relationship. It's all about relationship. It's all about this choice. In Romans 8, it says, the, the mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. He tells us. I mean, you guys get this all the time when we come. You get the teaching. We tell you. In the Bible, it says this. He's telling us this is what it is. So in summary, just for us, right? Us believers, every believer, you are what you eat. You ever heard of that term? Of your food? Of your intake? You are what you consume. If you consume the world, you're going to be of the world. You want to be transformed? 
Start consuming the word. Start consuming Jesus Christ. Start allowing the spirit to work in you. So really, another question I can ask you is then, what's your diet? What are you consuming? Are you getting the best from God? And, and I, I understand, you guys are looking like, oh yeah, sure, Stephen, I'm going to do this, and boom, I, I, I get everything from God. Again, it's a process. It's a work. It's a step. So, I want to give you just a, a few ways, practical ways, that we can renew our mind. That we can say no to the world and say yes to God. First is hearing God's word. Do we listen? In Romans ten seventeen, it says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I can even say of you and of you guys, when's the last time you came to church? I come once a month, I'm good. I come on Easter and Christmas, I'm good. How do we hear the word? Oh, Pastor Stephen, you, you, you don't understand. I, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. What are you eating? What's your diet? Use your time wisely. You can, I mean, we, there's radio stations. I mean, I myself, even at times, right? I listen to sermons on my, my radio, my work. Um, road back and forth. You can get the U Bible. It will read to you. Get the word. That's God speaking to us. If you don't have the truth, how do you develop the knowledge? And how do you get the faith? Second thing I would say is read God's word. As much as hearing it, we all learn different ways. We all intake different ways. But the reading of God's word, as we see in Revelation 1.3, it tells us, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed these things which are written in it, for, uh, for the time is near. Right? Get a daily reading program, guys. We got one back here. Read the word. Again, I'm too busy. I don't like reading. I don't want to make the effort. What are you consuming? What are you doing? Third thing we could do is study the word. We all like this, hey, I come to church and I hear. But do we ever take the time to study the word? I mean, just what I'm pointing out to you, wow, look at this. Hey, look at how Proverbs and Romans relate to one another. Look at how, you know, this defines in the word what the world system is. How do we find that? Oh, Pastor Stephen's going to tell me. Pastor Rick's going to tell me. That's not studying. That's consumerism, right? I just consume. I get fat. We got to study. We got to see the word. We got to use the word. We got to train ourselves, right? We got to see that 
moving beyond figuring out what Stephen believes, the big question is, what do you believe? If you read passages, what do you believe? Oh, I, I, I heard, you know, Pastor so-and-so said this. Oh, Pastor so-and-so said that. That's not the question. That's not the question that's before us as we stand before Christ, as we stand before God. What, do you, what did you do with what I gave you? Well, so-and-so said, that's not the question. Study the word. The next thing we could be doing is memorizing the word. If we don't have the word, how do we get it out? How, how do we apply it in the situation? How do I go through and walk through my different scenarios of life and say, I don't even know what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says? Because to me, that's my life verse. That's what I hold on to. I memorize that first. Memorization. You have to have the word. If you don't have the word, how does it come out? How does it apply to the situation that you're in? How does it even apply when, when you're sitting next to somebody in the, in the doctor's office? Hey, well, you know, I, I, I was going through this verse. And what you're talking about, how do I know what you're talking about? I can give you just what the world has to say. So, and finally, I would say meditate on the word. A lot of us just read the word. Study and meditate. What does it say? As we read, what does it say? What does it mean? And then, what does it mean to me? Meditate on what it has to say. All of this is to say we are only going to be as much and as good and as valued by what we take in. We are what we eat. Fill your mind just like you fill your body with processed food, processed sermons, devotionals. It's great, right? They're good. They're good starts. But that's someone else's understanding and how they receive the word. How do you receive the word, and how does it apply to your life? So we move to our last section, the purpose of this transformation. In Romans 12, 2, the end of it says, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And in Proverbs 3, 6, it says, and he shall direct your path. How do we prove? How, how do we see, right, th- that there is a purpose to all this? And, and this is what that section is. It's the clause that's telling us this is the purpose. This is the reason. So that you personally, not somebody else, you personally, that you can experience the good, well-pleasing, perfect will of God. We all say, how do I? I want to know the will of God. I want to experience the will of God. <clears throat> Answer, read it, apply it, and he says this is what the purpose of this section is. Stop filling our minds with the things of the world. Start seeking God, transforming ourselves, and he will show you 
well-pleasing, perfect will of God. So that was my journey. That's my venture. And as we've gone through this, what we got to see is giving God what he wants the most, surrendering, total commitment. We then saw, how, how do we get the best from God? Mind renewal, renewing our mind, putting off the things of this world, putting on the things of Christ. And for what purpose? It's this personal experience we get to know and experience the will of God. So I close with you today with two questions. Because I don't want you to come here and go, man, I just come here and I got hammered. Because that's no fun. Right? Is that you take from this message and ask, what one thing, not all the stuff he went through, what one thing that you can do and you can say no to that's of this world. One thing. I don't know that if it's on your cell phone, TV, what you watch, what you read. But one thing. Pick one. Because it begins with one step. It's a process. What one thing is wooing your heart away from God that you're allowing into your mind. And let's step forward in that. The second question, very similar. What one thing can I start doing that's going to renew my mind, that I can then see God clearly and start receiving what he wants to give him, the good and perfect will of God? What one thing? That's the challenge, and that's the message for today. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word that is so relevant. It is so purposeful. It touches our heart. It gives us a future and a hope. It just gives us all that is needed. And sometimes it's overwhelming, but Lord, I know you who dwell within me will work out your good and perfect will, as I submit to you just that one thing that you have for me this day and that you will work in my life to give up that one thing that is pulling me away from your heart. I thank you for your love. I thank you for Jesus Christ who died and rose again, who gave me salvation and and just touched my heart who gave me Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I lean not to my own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge you that you will direct my path. I so trust in that Lord. I so thank you for that. I thank you for just loving us and being here with us now. And we pray in Jesus name. Amen.